Okay, well let's get started this morning, uh, and we'll start with a word of prayer. So let's stand together. Father Andy, would you lead us in a word of prayer this morning? Sure. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with the pastor today, Lord. Uh, give us a passage during the week, and uh, uh, please help us with our ministry this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I hope you guys all had a great week. I did. Um, sometimes it seems that when you have your, you've had some good a good week, it always starts with a morning with Jesus Christ and the devotions. So uh, when I started this morning, I actually had another thing in mind, but God changed my heart. I'm actually going to preach something else this evening. But um, uh, first of all, I want to start with news and focus. Uh, this week, just to tell you how far off our, uh, the Catholics have become, uh, the Pope said today, or this week, that you didn't have to believe in God in order to go to heaven. Now, if that doesn't tell you something about the Catholic faith, it should tell you something about where they stand and what they stand on. And uh, he said he was trying to <clears throat> reach out to the atheist. And I think it's kind of interesting. Do you have to believe in God to go to heaven? Instead, what he said was, you have to believe, you have to listen to your conscience. Now, he does have a point, Brother Glenn. Don't roll your eyes too quick. I'm not going to say that the Pope is right, but I am going to say that there is one thing that tells you, besides the Scripture, that tells you that there is a God. So was he being tricky there, or was he just trying to play to someone else's feelings? We won't know. Uh, I don't know his heart. Only God does. But I have to say out and outright that you do have to believe there is a God to go to heaven. You do have to believe in Jesus Christ. You do have to repent of your sins. And the issue is, is that so many people think that there are so many paths to getting to heaven. God says there's one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed Brother Lewis's message last week. Um, it really spoke to my heart. And actually it's been something that I've been working on as well. The importance of why we have so many false professions today. You know, he was talking about the idea that we have people that go out there and say, everybody just pray this prayer with me. What does that really say? You know, I talked to this pastor that's from Hiles Anderson. He started a church in Portage. And uh, we met him at the Bacon Fest. I know, it's a great fest. But uh, he told me, he says, yeah, he says, there's no necessity really to repent. You know, there's no necessity uh, to really change your uh, willingness to change from the path you're on. You can keep on doing just the only thing you need to repent of is pretty much your unbelief in God. Now, my question is, did Jesus Christ just die for your sin, died and erased just the sin of unbelief? Or did Jesus Christ die for the sins of everything that you did? I think he died for every sin. And so what has happened is, is there's 
And he, maybe you've heard of that. I'm going to preach a little bit. I'm going to get to the actual message that I had this, prepared this morning. But you think about it for a second. God's wonderful. How many of you ever heard someone say, God's got a wonderful plan for you, doesn't he? How many of ever heard that? How many of ever heard that in witnessing? Or used it in witnessing for that matter? But really, to be quite honest with you, does that always seem the same? What is happiness? Right? Are you always going to be happy as a Christian? How many thinks that's a, a, a okay, I'm going to just say a statement. You're always going to be as happy as a Christian. Is that true or false? Raise your hand if you think that's true. You're always going to be happy as a Christian. Okay. Well, I'll explain in just a second. I believe, to be quite honest with you, you're not always going to be happy. Why? Because your flesh itself does not like the Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't like the flesh. There's going to be times in your life, and I was reading some examples. There was a, I'm reading this book. It's actually by uh, Ray Comfort. And he was saying in his book that the Christian life is not for sissies. There's going to be things in your life that are going to pop up, that are going to cause you problems. There's going to be issues in your life. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be death. Think about it for a second. Think through the ages of time. And think of all the people that died as martyrs. Think about that for a second. When they got saved, and someone came and says, Listen, your life is just going to be a bed of roses. Do you think when the first time they suffered persecution, do you think they would really have been a happy person? No. The Bible never says, Ooh. Something going on here. Good morning, Brother Oscar. The Bible says that if they hated me, they'll hate you. Wait a minute. You say, Brother Harold, wait a minute. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that there is... What about the Bible verse that says that I have given you abundant life, right? Think about Paul for a second. Did Paul have an abundant life? He sure did. He had a lot of things going on, didn't he? He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. Now let me ask you a question. What is the Christian life all about? Is the Christian life just a bunch of bed of roses and you're just going to be floating along and you're just going to be happy all the time? Or instead, are you going to have the peace that passes all understanding? There's going to be times when you're going to cry. There's going to be times when you're going to have heartache. There's going to be times when there's just you, you have no explanation but to go to God and ask Him to help you. We get this, this misaligned idea that the Christian life is all about happiness. But really, to be honest with you, the Christian life is all about Jesus Christ. That's what the Christian life is all about. What He did for you. What you do for Him. And if you've been so misconceived, you have this misconceived concept that Jesus Christ is just here to serve me, you got another thing coming. You are here to serve Jesus. Don't get me wrong, Jesus helps you, Jesus gives you strength, God gives you the ability to be able to, uh, a way of escape. But let me tell you something, Jesus Christ, you are now His servant. You say, what's in it for me, brother? 
Why should I serve Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, Jesus Christ died for your sins. He gave up a life in heaven beside His Father as the very God to be spit on, to be cursed at, to be looked at as unshamed. From the time He was born to the time He died, there was not one time that they loved Him like He should have. The God that He was. God that He is. They looked at Him as, first of all, an illegitimate child. They looked at Jesus as an earthly king. What's wrong with that? He was God. He was Jesus Christ. He was deity. But yet they still looked at Him less than He really was. What are we looking at Jesus Christ? And I'll get to that later on. But, <laughs> I just want to share that, and that's going to be a little bit more of this evening's message. Today, though, we're going to talk about forgetting and remembering God. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 6. <coughs> Ezekiel chapter 6. In verse 1 it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face toward the mountains of Israel, and prophesy against them. And say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord, of the word of the Lord, Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains, and to the hills, and to the rivers, and to the valleys. Behold, even I, even I, will bring a sword upon you, and I will destroy your high places. And your altar shall be desolate, and your images shall be broken. I will cast down your slain men before your idols. And I will lay the dead carcasses of the children of Israel before their idols. And I will scatter your bones round about your altars. In all of your dwelling places, the city shall be laid waste, and the high places shall be desolate, that your altars may be laid waste and made desolate. And your altars may be broken and cease, and your images may be cut down, and your works may be abolished. And the slain shall fall in the midst of you, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Let's stop right there. What is the reason for problems in our life? Artuda, have you had a problem this week? Alex, have you had a problem this week? Have you? You want to share with everybody else what your problem was? No? I don't want to know your problems. Don't worry about it. Just worry about yours. Worry about yours, Brother Juan. That's all you need to worry about. Don't worry about his. I'm just kidding here. But listen to me. We have problems all week long. What's the difference between the judgment of God and problems? We need to remember who God is. All right. Sometimes we get to this point in our lives where we just think that as a Christian, <coughs> and like I said earlier, everything's just going to be a bowl of cherries. God does everything to bring us, what? Closer to Him. Did I say, did you not get the cherries? The bowl of cherries? Hmm. Maybe I should have said a bowl of Twinkies. Huh? Huh? Or maybe a bowl of Big Macs or 
a bowl of McDonald's breakfast. Hmm? All right? That's what we think is a Christian life. Listen to me. If you don't have problems in your life, <coughs> if you don't have problems, let me tell you something, you're doing something wrong. You say, what are you trying to say, Brother Harold? Satan is attacking you every day. There is going to be problems. There is going to be issues. Look at Job. Job was one of the most important men in the Old Testament. Why? Because he showed what Jesus Christ is all about. He was there to help him. To give him uh, assistance when needing assistance. But he wanted Job one, he wanted Job to do one thing. And what was that? To draw nigh to him. What's the Bible t- say to us? <clears throat> draw nigh to God and he will what? Draw nigh to you. What is the tool that God uses to order to bring people closer to him? Problems. Trials. Tribulations. Things are going to pop up. Has our church had a share? <coughs> Excuse me. Has our church had a share of trials and tribulations? It sure has. Has our church had its share of the ability to be able to see God answer prayer? It sure has. We've seen people saved. We've seen sickness be healed. We've seen some exciting things in our church, and at the same time, we've seen some disappointing things. How do you face your problems? And I really believe that God wants you to face your problems remembering Him. So many times, Christians get in this idea in their head that they just can go along and do whatever they want. And they can do their <coughs> live their life the way they want to. Do what they expect. Could you unwrap it for me, please? Do what they expect is what the life should be. But God wants more than that. God has this, God has this expectation of you that is far more. The Bible says, be perfect as what? I am what? Perfect. What is it when you come into the Christian life? What is to be expected of you, Artudo? If I told you today that Artudo can be perfect, how many would believe you? Believe me. What do you think, Alex? You think you got the material to be a perfect person? What do you think, Brother Lewis? Do you think you can be perfect? And he's like, I am perfect. What are you talking about, brother? Oh, yeah? Amen, brother. That's good. I tell, I, I tell Oscar, if he if he think he'd be perfect, and his wife just looked at me like, you're talking about Oscar, right? God gives us the ability to be perfect in his what? His way. We can live for Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you're going to be sinless. I'm not preaching sinless perfection. But if we walk with God, what are we going to receive? We're receiving God's righteousness, aren't we? We're not trying to do things in our flesh. We're not trying to do things the way that we expect. But instead, we're walking in what? The light is He is in the what? Light. When we have Jesus Christ as our Savior and we're walking and we're doing what He says, that means we get up in the morning and we just don't forget God when we walk out that door. 
Maybe you say, Brother Harold, I've had my devotions all week. Praise God, that's exciting. I hope you have devotions every day. I have to guarantee, <coughs> I have to guarantee you this, that if you have your devotions every morning, I guarantee your day will be a lot smoother. Why? Because Jesus Christ is there. You're walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. You're doing the things that God expects from you. You're getting the help that God has for you. But let me tell you something. It doesn't just start in the morning. David said, the evening and the morning and at noon will I pray and I will cry out loud and He will what? Hear my voice. How many of you take the time at your lunch break and spend time in prayer? How many of you take the time at night to spend time in prayer? How many take you even in the morning to spend time at prayer? Do you really believe that God can change things? Or are we just acting the Christian life and forgetting what God has given us? There is power in prayer. There is power in God's Spirit. There is power in these things, but yet we act like there is no God. We act like God cannot help us with our problems. We act like God cannot share our issues and be able to give us a way of escape. Let's read on. So we stopped at 6. Here it is. God's telling He says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge you. He's going to take all those things and I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to slay your men. I'm going to throw down your idols. Why? Certain verse 7. <clears throat> and the slain shall fall in the midst of you that ye shall know that I am the Lord. What is the reason for problems in our lives? It's so that we remember who God is. Verse 8, let's Yet will I leave a remnant that ye may some that shall see escape the sword among the nations when ye shall be scattered through the countries. And they that escape of you shall remember me among the nations whether they shall be carried captives because I am broken with their whorish heart which have departed from me with their eyes which go whoring after their idols. And they shall loathe them for the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord, and I have not said in vain that I would do this evil unto them. Thus saith the Lord God, smite with thine hand and stamp with thy foot. Alas, for all the evil abominations of the house of Israel. For they shall fall by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. And he that is far off shall die of the pestilence, and that he is near shall fall by the sword. And he that remaineth is besieged shall die by the famine. Thus will I accomplish my fury upon them. Then shall ye know that I am the Lord. You notice something in common here? There's always that ye may what? Know. That ye may what? Know. One of the things that every Christian should realize that when they are not walking by faith, and they can prove themselves to be a Christian, is that they will receive that judgment of God upon their life. You say, Brother Harold, I don't have many problems. Listen to me, if you're a Christian and you're not walking by faith, the Bible says that He will what? 
chastiseth every son. Right? If you're not being chastised and you're not walking by faith, let me tell you something. There's probably a problem. There's a good possibility you're not saved. You don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior. God loves those children. He wants them to come back. He wants them to remember Him. As He says here, that they may know that I am the Lord. When their slain men shall be among their idols round about their altars, upon every high hill on the tops of the mountains, under every green tree, under every thick oak, the place where they did offer sweet savor unto all their idols, so will I stretch out my hand upon them and make the land desolate. Yea, more desolate than the wilderness towards Deblath. In all their inhabitation, they shall know I am the Lord. Boy, I think God wants to get your attention, doesn't He? He wanted these Israelites' attention. Father and son were driving down a country road and saw a watermelon patch a little way off the highway. And the father said to the boy, Keep a lookout while I go get a melon. He snuck into the patch and lifted a choice melon from the vine and then called to the boy, Is anyone coming? Look both ways. The little fellow wisely responded, But Daddy, shouldn't we look up too? We sometimes forget that very important illustration. When we're doing the things that we're doing, are we looking up to Jesus Christ? Are we saying, God, I remember You. You're the one that's in control. You're the one that's a part of my life. I need to follow You. You're directing my path. Or instead, are we looking here on this earth, looking both ways? Are we not looking up to Jesus Christ instead? God has an important plan for us. And He expects something better for you. Not to walk in the flesh. Today we come together with one purpose in mind. We have been given the command to come and worship God. To some of us, it's a weekly duty that we fulfill because we are afraid of the consequences. Whether we come because those consequences are semi-carnal or not, we still come because we believe there is a God and we must worship Him. What causes a person to leave God, to forget Him, or even not find Him at all? Is God not big enough that we forget Him? Has God changed so that we don't believe Him to be real? These are questions that every Christian must answer when we lose sight of who God is. God is always ready to find that prodigal son. Who is ready to repent of His ways and turn back to Him? The Bible says that heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. Let us grasp the reality of what happens when we forget God. First of all, God is merciful and long-suffering and wants every individual to come on his own cognizance. He needs, first of all, God is merciful. He's long-suffering. The Bible says He will show mercy unto those who He show mercy. The Bible says that He reigns upon the just and what? The unjust. God has a purpose and He really wants you to come back to Him. <coughs> He'll do everything in His power to make sure that you are going to come back. Look at that prodigal son. What would have happened if that prodigal son was wise and he took the investment that he got from his father and was able to invest it wisely? Do you think he would want to ever have a need? No, he wouldn't have. But God, in His infinite mercy, looked down upon that prodigal son and said, He's, 
He's going to come back to me. And so what did He do? He caused them to spend His money unwisely. Before long, where was He at? He was in a pig trough. I don't know if you guys have been around pigs much. I had the, <clears throat> the unpleasantry of working with a couple hogs in my life. And uh, they're stinky. Their urine is the most grossest thing since I don't know when. It's strong. And they're... Sti- uh, I just... Ugh, I did it for a while. And uh, I tell you what, pigs are the most grossest thing ever. I don't know anybody that can love a pig. You see these cute little pink little pigs? No. That's not a pig. Pig, you put them in a sty and they just lay in their own filth. Can you imagine what that, <laughs> what that young man was doing as he was in that pig trough? And he was eating the very things that the pigs were eating. Yeah, he wanted to. Amen? He wanted to. Why? Because he was starving. It was only then and, o- then and only then that he realized that he had left his father. That's when he came back. Oh, God. He was, he was humble. What Christian should we be? Should we have not have that same attitude? Oh, God. I've sinned. I just want to be your servant. I just want to be your servant. We come to God. God, I want everything. I want a good job, a good house, a good car. I want what the neighbors have next door. (laughs) Should we not be content with being the servant that God expects from us? Being the living sacrifice that it says in Romans? On March 26, 2000, Seattle's famed kingdom home of the Seattle Seahawks, Mariners, and at the time, Supersonics was destroyed. Maryland's based controlled demolition incorporated was hired to do the job of imploding a 25,000 ton structure that had marked Seattle's skyline for two dozen years. Remarkable about the event was the extreme measures taken to ensure that no one was hurt. CDI had experience with over 7,000 demolitions demolitions, and knew how to protect people. Engineers checked and rechecked the structure. The authorities evacuated several blocks around the kingdom. Safety measures were in place to allow the countdown to stop at any time if there was concern about safety. All workers were individually accounted for by radio before the explosives were detonated. A large public address system was used to announce the final countdown. In short, CDI took every reasonable measure more to warn the people of the impending danger. The Bible teaches of a final judgment and destruction for the sinful world. Like the engineers who blew up the kingdom, our Heavenly Father has spared no expense to make sure everybody can get out safely. He warns us through our consciences, through the prophets, through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, through the church, and through his son. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight through nine. Chapter three, second Peter chapter three, verses eight through nine. But beloved, 
Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Listen to me, folks. God has had a willingness with you. He's working with you right now. If you've never been saved, listen to me, kids. If you're just practicing this religion that your parents are doing, listen to me. Someday you're going to have to stand before a holy and a just God and you're going to have to give account. Are you ready for that? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I've sat down with Chloe this morning. She breaks my heart. My little girl does. I want her so bad to be saved, but I know it's her decision. I went over with her yesterday. If a man knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. So if you do sin, what are you? A sinner. And if you're a sinner, where are you headed? Hell. Listen to me. If you've never repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ, let me tell you something, you're on your way to hell. But God is merciful. Berto? Buddy? Do you know that? He's hiding from me now. (laughs) Listen to me. God is very merciful. He is ready ready and willing for you to repent. But He's not going to stop His punishment. He's going to continue on. You say, Brother Harold, I have a hard time having devotions in the morning. I have a hard time doing the things that God has asked me to do that my parents are asking me to do. I have a hard time being respectful to my mom and dad. I have a hard time being faithful to church. I have a hard time doing these things. Why? Because listen to me, God has a purpose for your life. And listen to me, if you've never been saved, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what? Foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. You say you have a hard time doing those things? Listen to me. You haven't taken care of it. Is there still a question in your heart saying, am I saved? Do I know Jesus is my Savior? Is there still that question? Listen to me. Take care of it today. There is no reason why anybody in this church should ever die and go to hell. God has given us an opportunity with a pastor that preaches on repentance. uh, Laymen that understand the Bible, that preach on repentance and understand how to be saved. Nobody should ever have to die and go to hell. But yet there will be somebody in this church that will uh, not heed the warning that Christ gives. And they will die and go to a Christless eternity in hell. God is merciful. Secondly, God realized that we are still carnal and uses His own goodness to bring us to a point of breaking. Listen to me. Jesus Christ was a man. Was He not? Mohan, was Jesus Christ a man? He knows exactly. The Bible says in all points, tempted like as we are, but what? Yet without sin. God knows your failures. God knows those things that you have a hard time with. God's ready and willing to bring you to that point where you're willing to say, God, I surrender. I give up my life for you. I do all that you ask me to do. Listen to me, teenager. 
Is that your heart? Is that your desire? Or instead, is it, hmm, I'm going to do what I want to do. Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. Turn there. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same? Thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing what the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Thou art what? Inexcusable, man! When you stand before a holy and a just God, you have no excuse. You can't say, but God. But God. How many times do you boys do that? But Mom! Right? You guys never said that, right? Yeah, you are liars. Girls, huh? But Dad, but Mom! Right? Amen? Good preaching, right? Let's hear, hear it. Amen? Oh, thank you. Oh, that was Oscar. Sorry. Amen, Zach? But Mom, but Dad! Right? There's no excuses with God. God knows that heart. He knows what you're doing every second of the day. He's long-suffering. And He not only is long-suffering, He knows where you're at. Maybe you're saved. Maybe you accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, but you struggle with things in your Christian life. Listen to me. God's still there. He hasn't left His throne. You think those problems, those struggles that you're facing, do you think you don't have to face those alone? No. All God wants you to do is come back to Him. Come back! Remember me! Know that I am the Lord! what God wants. (coughs) Thirdly, for sake of time, when we completely lose sight of God, His goodness, and His working in our life, God will show His heavy hand and will bring us back to remember that we are His creation. Romans chapter 2, verse (coughs) 5. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. But after thy hardness and impotent heart, treasure up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality and eternal life. But unto them who are that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, ignition and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, who the Jew first and also the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. By verse 11, for God, there is no respect of persons with God. Listen to me. I don't care who you are in this church, what your background is, where you come from. 
There is one law with God. You either obey Him or you don't. You either remember who God is or you forget who God is. And let me tell you, there is more benefits to remember who God is than to forget who God is. We have all the things at our fingertips. More than any, any generation in this world. You think about it for a second. All the things that could get to us, but all the things that we have to keep those things from getting to us. You now we talk about how bad this age is. Now let me tell you something. We don't know anything yet. We don't know anything yet. You haven't seen tribulation yet. You've not seen anything yet. I was telling my wife on the way this morning, I feel in my soul and my spirit that I'm going to see tribulation in my lifetime. I'm going to see persecution in my lifetime. My kids are going to see persecution. I hope I'm raising them to be the martyrs that they should be. Someone came to you today and said, drop your beliefs at the door. Don't ever come any further. If you don't, we're going to kill you. What would you do? Would you look at the gift that God has given us? But I get from my point, we have more at our fingertips. We have more freedoms than any person in this world has ever had. Yet we still cannot remember God. The very thing that should be encouraging us to do the right thing, which is God's goodness, has allowed us to become lackadaisical in our Christian lives. Has allowed us to take away the very meaning and importance of what God is to us. We become very lazy. God says, I'm going to bring judgment on you. I'm going to bring some, some tribulation on you. I'm going to bring some anguish on you. Why? So that you can come back to me. Remember me. God loves you so much. He would not have sent His Son if He didn't. But you know what? We as Christians, we forget the very thing that God has done for us. How many is excited about going to heaven someday? I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. Streets of gold. But you know what? Some of you are not going to enjoy heaven. You know why? You're going to have a learning process. There's going to be a learning curve. You know why? Some of you can't enjoy Jesus right here and down on this earth. You know what heaven's going to be about? It's going to be all about Jesus. That's going to be the main theme. We're going to be sitting there singing praises to Him. We're going to be worshiping Him. We're going to be standing before His throne. I don't know. But some of you Christians here on this earth, you have no clue of what relationship is here. Yeah, maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but when you get to heaven, you're going to say, oh, we've got to worship God now? Praise the Lord. He'll give us a new mind. We don't have to worry about that. But it's going to be a shock and awe when we first get there. Why? Because some of us have never even done that thing of worshiping and praising His name. Singing praises to God. Being the servants that we should be. Probably out of time. In a speech made in 1863, Abraham Lincoln said, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. 
We've been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has grown, ever grown. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to that God that hath made us. <laughs> it's interesting. You guys saw that video of uh, um, Ray Comfort about the atheist. And what did they say about Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> Does that say he's an atheist? <laughs> it's pretty clear, isn't it? He understood who God was, and he understood that we have forgotten the very thing that made us successful. How long is it going to take before America turns its back completely and that God just says, all right, His long-suffering and mercy, I believe it's already run out. I believe God's judgment is already upon our nation. But what about you, Christian? Are you going to go the same way America's gone? Are you going to forget the very thing that God has given us, the peace and the bounty? Or instead, are you going to say, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all the good things you've given me. I'm trusting you for my faith, my grace, my strength, and the mercy that you give. It's up to you. I'm going to do a little bit something different this morning. Let's stand together. I really believe, to be quite honest with you, this is something that I think is very important to every Christian, is to remember who God is. Remembering God. Maybe you are facing some struggles in your life. I don't know. I don't know what your lifestyle is like. But maybe